Hello, handsomes. I have seen some things this month. It is a pretty troubling time to be an American. About a week ago, I was uh, was walking home after one of the protests against the president-elect, walking down uh, walking down Virgil, right across from the Virgil walking home. Uh, I saw a noose had been tied to a chain link fence facing the street. Very deliberate, just as a kind of a warning. It signals to me that a lot of people have just been waiting for the chance to air out their hatred. That we have not, as progressives, made the country better, but we have made it quieter. I'm complicit in that. I find it extremely difficult to remain understanding in the face of people who would electrocute the gay out of my friends, who would deny me the right to easily accessible birth control, just the freedom to, you know, keep my body running the way that I like it to run. I do shut people down in what I consider to be righteous rage when they deny my humanity. But kicking and screaming and clever insults won't be what ends this. We do have to try for kindness. And more than anything, we have to protect and empower those in, in danger. I and mean, whatever it is you do well, do it in service of others. Create and maintain places where people can be themselves. Take your friends to self-defense classes. Be ready to sit down and start talking to people, specifically women in hijabs on public transport. Be by their side, especially if you think someone is about to or begins harassing them. All I'm saying is, we now have a million opportunities for kindness that have opened up. I'm going to try to make this show kinder and more inclusive because everybody needs love right now. And always. This edition in particular features four excellent stories from wonderful people. And to be fair, a lot of carelessness on my part. We open with Rebecca Aranda, a member of the team of Women of Color Anonymous. Uh, I saw her first, I think, at uh, the Women's Center for Creative Work. She's an absolute delight. Then we go to Mel Liason, my life partner, and Loki, one of the sharpest eyes for comedic talent I've ever seen. I kind of think that she's one day just going to rise to the uh, to the Lorne Michaels position, but in, in a good way. Um, Glenn Bolton, a hilarious guy who you would have seen uh, at Josh Fadum's show at the Pack Theater, Lucy Goosey, and Will Weldon, the angry young man with a podcast. Angry Little Goats is equally a delight. They have a, a, a great, really hard to listen to episode recently where they uh, pre- they make election predictions before the election. Um, I wanted to keep this show tight, and I think you'll find it more manageable as you do your chores or go through your commute or, I don't know, bump into people at Trader Joe's while waiting for a minuscule cup of coffee. If you prefer this shorter version of the show, let me know. Um, Send me a reply over at uh, It's Personal Now, at It's Personal Now on Twitter, or via email at personallyspeakingshow at gmail.com. Just let me know. Um, I wanted to keep it short on purpose. We just got four speakers this time. Our next live show is Wednesday, December 7th. A Wednesday show. I don't know if that's going to be better or worse for attendance. So hopefully, um, hopefully people will show up. 
maybe people will want to stay in. I don't know. I have no control over what you guys do. I'm just here trying to make a good show and hoping you show up. I think it's going to be a good way to spend a night. We go out for drinks after at uh, Kibitz Room. It's fun. It's it's a really good time. So if you don't even if you don't come for the show, at least just show up for the alcohol. Yeah, let's get into it, guys. This is a good show. This is a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. I had a lot of fun recording it. Enjoy. Friends, of late we have all been subjected to an unfortunate narrative which asks us to understand that an intelligent blonde woman can work very, very hard up against easily the most willfully ignorant, deliberately, wildly, obscenely underqualified man and still lose in some way. And yet, win the popular vote. <laughs> this narrative in particular has a lot of has has a lot of resonance for me. But we'll give that story its due. What you're about to witness and endure is a show called Personally Speaking. It's a storytelling and stand-up show, and there are just three rules. The first of which being that everyone who gets up on stage tonight really, 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 really wants to make them love you, make you love them. And for that reason, we ask them to keep their stories to five to ten minutes. Please, God, don't ramble. Please, God, give us something good. Secondly, the story has to be true, but only to the best of their perspective. Their heroes are our heroes. Their villains are our villains. We're going to give them that much credit. And finally... There are no content restrictions, but you got to make us laugh. I find failed suicide attempts hilarious. <laughs> I, for one. <laughs> I, for one. Now, we've got at least mm, 14 storytellers for you tonight, but I've only allowed four to come up to the stage. We want to keep things short, sweet, sexual. Um, I think, well... Before we even get into it, before we even really get into the show, let's just let's have a little, little fireside chat. Um, in particular, I think we're going to call out white women tonight. <laughs> so, friends, before we get to the ha 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 and he he he, we're going to go all in for a moment. Let's be frank. Uh, we fucked up. <laughs> fucked up real good, real good. And this one we absolutely can blame on the scourge that is white men, but not entirely. And that was, that's what really hurts. That's what really hurts. Um, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to ever have sex with a male again, but um, I, I hope that I can find it within me. I, I feel like if I do, it'll be like Black Widow style. Like, I'll have sex with him, and then I'll kill him after. Um, I don't know. We, I mean, ultimately, we have to be honest. Like, we have judged one another so hard, then side-eyed one another so hard, like, straight into private polling booths where women voted for Trump. Women voted for Trump! Ooh, it's awful. I mean, okay. We have reached a point 
where white women have stopped talking to one another and have instead started listening to men in some cases. They were like, mm, this option is so bad or doesn't listen to me so much that I'm going to instead go to the devil. <laughs> so, I don't know, guys. We can, do, we can do a lot better. I mean... We've, in doing so, this is the really, this is like, this is the truly the worst part, so listen closely. In doing so, we have endangered women of color. We have so, like, actively, we have made ourselves so divided as to elect a man who is now going to put all of us in danger. But let's be honest, like, it's not going to be that bad for white women. I mean, we talked about this at our weekly coven combination McDonald's bin meeting. Like, come on, guys. I don't know. We fucked up. It's on us. But you know what? No. No, no, no. We're not going to. What I keep hearing, what I keep hearing is, well, I'm just going to move to Canada. No. You're not going anywhere, bitch. <laughs> no one is leaving this dinner table until we fix this. <laughs> My house. Finish your soylent, Rebecca. It's great because Rebecca's the first person that's coming up. Um, so, we're, guys, what we're, no, we're not going to do is move to Canada. If you have the resources to Canada, we need them here. Like, if you have the resources to get the hell out, please stay the hell in. Honestly, like, we're not going to secede. We're not going to secede as a state. Pulling out is for high schoolers who didn't have comprehensive sex education because it was defunded in 2017. <laughs> Jesus, God, guys, we got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work to do. All right, guys, I'm going to um, do exactly what I said I wouldn't do and let another white woman take the mic. Coming up to the stage to entertain and make you fall in love. You know her from UCB, Women of Color Anonymous. It's Rebecca Ronda. Uh, so, yeah, really heavy week. I'll just say that right up top. Before I get into my story, it is a heavy week. There's a lot of stuff going on. And because of that, I feel like we either need to delve deep into it and really get into the muck and figure it out with each other, or we need to distract ourselves with some like lighthearted stuff and think about stuff like puppies and shit like that. And you can do it like, you know, 25 minutes deep shit and then like, oh, oh my God, I got to look at puppies for five minutes. Okay, now what were you saying? And go back to that. So I have a story for you that will hopefully be that little five, ten minute break where you aren't thinking about like how we're in 1930s Germany. So, um, so uh, I, I am wearing this, this Dodgers outfit. It's quite funny because I'm actually quite unathletic. Um, when I was growing up, I was very independent and I was a tomboy. Um, but I was not a tomboy in the sense where I was always like running around in the dirt and like skateboarding. Um, I just like to wear pants and sit in the library. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that, that was me. That was my lifestyle. That's what I did. I just was by myself all the time reading books, and I was having a great time with it. Um, my parents didn't seem to think so, though. They were a little disturbed that I always kept to myself, and I was very prickly. Um, I wasn't shy and quiet, though. I was actually quite loud and extroverted and obnoxious. Um, I talked all the time during class, um, which later on would turn out to be a sign of ADD. And just, when your child can't stop talking throughout the entire class and uh, so my parents are like listen we need to deal with this Rebecca has a lot of energy and no friends so <laughs> they enrolled me in this thing called CARE it was a CARE youth sports league it was a Christian sports league for kids and um, it was actually 
pretty cool uh, because unlike other sports leagues, which I feel like would be like something out of Bad News Bears, like parents screaming at children and stuff like that, it was like very much like a Jesus type approach to uh, teamwork and sports, which is like, hey, you know, we're all doing pretty good here today. You know, we'll read something out of John in the Bible, and then you'll play a sport and we'll all have fun. Um, I was into that. I was into the positivity and everything. Um, but the actual sports stuff, um, they enrolled me in the winter of 1997. I was eight years old. And I was excited. I had my little uniform on. I'm like, basketball. All right, basketball can't be that hard. You got the ball, you put it in the hoop, right? Um, But then you have to do all this other stuff. Like I had to dribble. You have to pass. You have to learn how to do free throws. I was terrible at all of them across the board. Every basketball action you can think of, I was miserable at. I was small. I was weak. The ball's always slipping. It was pathetic. You should have seen it. Um, I started to feel like I didn't belong on the court. Um partly because I think I could hear all the other girls saying every week, I don't think Rebecca should be on the court. <laughs> to each other and to the coach. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is my thing. But I hung on because the sports change every season. So winter was basketball and then spring was softball. Well, it was baseball for the boys, softball for the girls because it's gender segregated, of course. So um, softball, I was actually better at that than I was at basketball. Because, you know, in softball, there's a lot of um, sitting around and waiting and <laughs> watching other people. Um, things that I wasn't so good at was stuff like uh, hitting, pitching, catching, running. Um, <laughs> uh, I just was not good at the sport. But I found out while I was standing out in the outfield a secret talent that I had. You see, I had actually seen uh, baseball movies where people would yell and taunt each other. Now this... I was actually fantastic at. I discovered I could be on the very edge of the outfield and I could yell things like, Hey, brother, hey, brother, hey, brother, miss, hey, brother, swing, hey, brother, loser, you're a loser. That was such a thrill and it distracted the hell out of the other team. They were like, What is she doing? I won a few games, I feel like, just with that alone. <laughs> And, uh, but then I had a stern talking to from the coaches. They were like, that's not very Jesus-like, Rebecca. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So, um, I was admonished. It was not sportsman-like. I didn't get to keep yelling at people on the sports field. Then it was summertime, and it was time for soccer. Uh, soccer, I was actually pretty good at. Better than baseball. (laughs) Because, uh, it's, it's so simple, like a dog could do it. (laughs) All you gotta do is chase the ball and get it into the net when you're near the net. So simple, easy, one, two, three. And I actually really liked going to soccer. Every week I was excited, um, up until the day that I tried to get the ball out from a girl who was like twice as big as me, and she kicked the ball as hard as she could right into my stomach, knocking the wind out of me, um, making me cry for an entire day, and, <laughs> and giving me a fear of balls for the rest of my life. <laughs> I continued care for, you know, a couple years after that. I avoided the ball from, like, every moment after that. Um, so then that actually didn't pan out too good for me. But then fall came. And in fall, it was football. Well, it was football for the boys. For the girls, it was cheerleading. So um, <laughs> I thought this was tremendously unfair. Um, I hated the concept of it. They gave us these cheerleading outfits, which I thought were, like, 
horrendous and immoral. I thought the skirts were too short. They went down to like my knees. I was like, I can't believe they're making us wear this. Um, (laughs) Me being like this odd little like old maid in like an eight-year-old's body. (laughs) And uh, I was like, we can't, we got to cheer on the boys. We don't get to play football. This is not fair. Well, first day of cheerleading practice, they tell us what cheerleading entails. They say cheerleading is yelling so loud and so good that your team gets encouraged and the other team gets distracted. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? (laughs) This is what I meant to do all along. You better believe, I was so good at cheerleading, you guys. I was so good. Every game, I was out there, I was yelling things like, Cardinals, Cardinals, we can win. If you don't do it, it's a sin. (laughs) Or something like, I don't remember the chant. It was something like that because it was Christian Sports League. Um, I was really good at that. And I'm really glad that I discovered that because I had gotten so despondent um, over the year and over the following years of playing sports. I am so not athletic, but I can still be a part of the team with my unique little talent. And that talent has actually uh, served me well throughout life. It's something that I still use in my jobs today. Whether I'm on a film set, you know, I can be in the back of the set saying, quiet on set! I can uh, be watching kids and saying, no, no, you're not allowed to go there. You're upside down. I'm going to count to one, two, thank you. And I can also use it, you know, going to political rallies and going to marches and going out into the streets and saying, whose streets are streets? Whose streets are streets? And I can keep that shit up for hours. I don't need a megaphone. Other people's like, my megaphone broke down. Doesn't matter. Send Rebecca out there. It's good shit, dude. So, um, you know, lesson learned. I might be uh, unathletic. I might still be kind of like stubborn and odd. I don't generally work good in a team, but I am committed to being collaborative and to working with other people. And I think that in general, this is what we're gonna need in the years to come, is to find out the unique talents that each of us have and how we can work together as a team. And don't be afraid to let your voices be heard. That's all I have to say. I was very briefly um, a cheerleader uh, until it was um, communicated to me that I would not be the center of attention, so (laughs) got over it pretty quickly. I am what is, in cheerleading terms, referred to as a base, (laughs) so I was over that pretty quick. Um, Returning to the the story of the blonde and the tyrant, surprisingly not one and the same, unless it's in my case, Uh, I present a twist, a twist on the original premise. The year is 2010, a little bit after 28, which we all know was a perfect year, so things are starting to get bad, but they're not bad yet. Uh, the blonde is me, the tyrant is easily the one of the smartest and most willfully arrogant nerds I have ever met. Have you ever, you guys have met arrogant nerds. Men, you don't know that you are arrogant nerds if you haven't met any. Women have definitely met arrogant nerds. Um, And in this case, the political sphere that we all decided to run in was, of course, the savage and grueling world, the dark underbelly of the open casting call for the high school graduation speech. 
I was uh, asked to, or implored to, really, um, to submit a speech um, and present a speech uh, for an audience of my peers, which was, of course, my teachers and the principal. Uh, and I, <laughs> there it is. Uh, there was really, I mean, there was, there was no question that I wanted to do it because the ultimate, the ultimate goal was, that it, the premise here was like, I can apply to get attention from my entire student body. <laughs> And their parents, which, let's be real, is my target demo. Hey, Mrs. S. <laughs> your mom, like, I'm your mom's favorite friend when I'm not wearing the Angeline shirt, because I know better. Uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would like to say that I worked really hard on it, but in essence, uh, in, in an actuality, I churned out a pithy little one-speech, uh, one-act speech, and decided to wing it like a man. <laughs> and... Um, it's important to note that uh, I had two key opponents in this race. There were many who uh, did make the cut, uh, unnecessarily, but who did make the cut, and um, one of them was not my ex, the first person to break up with me. The first person to break up with me was in the running, considered themselves a fine writer, was a fine writer, not that funny, but they were fine. <laughs> I mean, it's not as funny as like a girl, but you know, um, they try, they try. Uh, so he was in the race and it was extremely important to me to vanquish him because he had recently broken up with me. Uh, and of course I did. And the other opponent, this one was really just something else. He came out of left field. The other opponent was <laughs> You know when it comes to an alliterative name that sounds like it also could double as like the name of like some secretive like Nazi party initiative. Like that's not like that's that's kind of things are gonna go wrong. So I'll um I'm gonna let you guys figure out what happens next. We'll get to it. Important to this story, um, one of the key players in my life at the time is actually going to be our next speaker. She has an excellent, an incredible capacity for both A, hard work, B, looking sexy while doing it, and C, being my best friend. Please welcome to the stage Mel Lias and put your hands together. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to my farewell tour before I get deported. <laughs> so great. Um, so I, I can talk about two things. Uh, first, I do have a hilarious suicide attempt story, <laughs> and second, I do have an apology to make, so which one should I go with first? Suicide! <laughs> uh, this was a couple months ago. I was pretty depressed before the election. Um, so I guess not as depressed, but like still pretty like depressed. Um, and I decided... Uh, oh, I have this like half a bottle of dessert wine that's been sitting there untouched. I should just finish it. And But a word about me is I'm super lightweight. <laughs> I have to take Pepsid in order to drink one drink and not get wasted. <laughs> so two glasses of wine and a bubble bath is like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> because halfway through the bath, I'm like... I. I'm done. I should just like drink, pass out, and then just like drown. <laughs> um, 
And true story. <laughs> and, um, so I did. I drank half that half bottle of wine, which turned out to be about two glasses. And I was hoping that the same thing that always happens when I drink without the Pepsi would happen, which is that I would fall asleep. And I was hoping that I would fall asleep in the tub and just slide into the warm water and not wake up. But what ended up happening was um, my tub wasn't deep enough. (laughs) And, And so the wine started to to work on me and I just got nauseous which is what always happens and I started to get dizzy so instead of uh, instead of dying I died because I started throwing up all over myself <laughs> and I just threw up in the tub oh. all sad and then I, was like, I was like crying and throwing up and then like thinking oh my god I'm sitting in bath water with my own vomit and so I <laughs> cried even more um, and then I was like oh you know it's not so bad because <laughs> I could live to see Hillary be president <laughs> and okay <laughs> and and let's so let's move on to the apology I do I do feel uh, sorry that this happened because I grew up, I was raised by a, a very pious Christian woman, um, where, hmm, <laughs> in the back, uh, grew up in a Pentecostal Christian household, so that's like double pious, and uh, she always thought that whenever something bad happened in our life, we were going through a, a, a tough period, it would be because we had done something bad, and then this was the punishment that God is, is uh, putting on us. And so this is something bad that recently happened, right? Uh, Trump, you know, winning the presidency and whatever. And <laughs> I started to think back as to maybe I did something wrong that, you know, made us all go through this for the next four to eight years. And I think I did, you guys. Uh, I was in junior year of college, and I enrolled in this marketing class, and it was no- notoriously hard. And everybody always says, like, the, the biggest thing you have to do well is the group project. So I, I enrolled in the class, and ahead of time, I knew who the people were going to be. Who, who else was going to be in the class, and I targeted my teammates. And there was one guy uh, who's, who was a good friend of mine, and he was really smart, and he's, he's a bit older, and so he, so he came to school kind of for like a career change, and, but he was smarter than everybody else, and we got along really well, and so he and I were like, okay, we're going to be on a team together, and then we'll take care of the rest. The other two people were just some other guy and then <laughs> this and then this girl and um, uh, I'll use yeah, okay I'll use her real name Nicole <laughs> <laughs> because Nicole doesn't look bad in this story I do so um, I never really liked Nicole and it really wasn't because Nicole is a bad person or because she was mean I'm Nicole is such a sunny character and the sunny personality to my uh, cloudy 
resting bitch faceness <laughs> that um, I just don't like it. Uh, you know, she's she's very like, hey girl, oh my god, you look so great in that dress. That looks really cute on you. And I'm the one who's like, <laughs> thanks. And I think Nicole knows or knew that uh, that I wasn't a fan of hers because after 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 class we found out that we were all going to be in the same team. She pulled me aside and said, "Mel, I think um, I just I just want to talk to you for a little bit. I get the feeling that you don't like me." And I'm in addition to being like a secret bitch, I am completely non-confrontational. So if you ever call out my bitchiness, rightfully so, uh, I, I would just uh, shit my pants, and which is exactly what I did. And I was like, oh, no, Nicole, no, we're just, I just think we have really strong personalities that just like don't always mix, you know, but I'm going to, but I promise you we're not going to have a problem because, you know, we're both really smart women and we're going to, we're going to be fine. Cut to <laughs> a few weeks into the project, we're working on a weekend, on campus, and the uh, the smart guy and I were trying to present a suggestion to the to the group as to how we should um, you know how we should do uh, at some part of the project. And we were explaining things on the board, and Nicole was asking questions to clarify. And in her in the process of her asking questions, she started talking over us, cutting us off, and then somehow also adding her suggestions and we're like whoa, whoa, whoa we're not done <laughs> and she kept doing that and in you know at first we let it go because we just want to we we're there on a weekend and we want to get home um but over time because we kept getting frustrated we started to sort of yell not yell not yet. We weren't yelling. Um, we were speaking in a loud voice, <laughs> trying to drown her voice. Um, but maybe to her, it was maybe a little yelly, and um, and maybe uh, the the two in, the two on one situation didn't help because after a while, she said, "I'm gonna take a break," and she walked out of the classroom. And as the cl- door was closing, I heard a little uh, and she was crying and um, the so and my teammate was like, "Fuck this and he was he was very angry and he started to pack, but our other teammate was the kind of guy who is so uncomfortable with a girl crying like he has to do something so he walked out and he actually very kindly uh, talked to Nicole, Nicole and to see what was happening and and by this time she had like she was standing outside of the classroom so we could hear her sobbing and and um, I didn't know I didn't know what to do I wanted to just stay in the classroom and keep going but then I also knew that the right thing to do would be to like say something because I think I, I made her cry or I was complicit. I didn't do it 100%, but I was 50% complicit in making that happen. So we, walked, so we walked outside and we talked to her, but I was also pissed that this was cutting into my project working time and I don't appreciate that. Also as a nerd, as you can see with my, with my glasses. Um, but eventually she calmed down, and then I 
turn around, and I, you guys, I really think this is what did it. This is really what sealed the deal for the Electoral College. It's um, <laughs> because I turn around and I said, you're lucky we're just in a group project, Nicole. If you cried like this at work, you would be fired. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I'm, I'm okay using her, her first name because she is the victim. And, um, and that's not true. I cried at work, <laughs> and I didn't get fired. Um, and and uh, that definitely was me getting a taste of my own medicine. And a year later, we were at a graduation banquet, and she pulled me aside and said, "Hey, can I talk to you in a little bit? Like, just the two of us?" I, yeah, <laughs> that was and that was my reaction in my head. I was like, "Fuck." Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, of course." And by this time, by, by the way, ever since that project, we kept our distance from each other. Um, and we walked outside, and I was thinking, oh, my God, like, she's wearing, uh, we're both wearing formal clothes, and she's going to kill me. <laughs> um, but at least I look good. <laughs> and she just kind of goes, I, I was bracing myself for, like, it just hurt to spit in my face, to slap me, and and uh, I was ready to like apologize in a very diplomatic way, but not in a way that like admitted fault, but just like I'm sorry, because um, I'm a terrible person. Uh, and then she just goes, I just want to let you know, I um, I really learned a lot because after that I never cried again in a group project, and I really, I really think we could have been friends. Aww. I know. Um, we couldn't have, but... <laughs> we couldn't have. But, she was the bigger person. And I, when I <laughs> remembered that I made somebody cry, um, it was right after the election, and uh, I'm really sorry, guys. I really am. I'm sorry. Keep on going. Keep on going. Who do you guys think Taylor Swift voted for? Voted. She just does right in Taylor Swift. <laughs> Oh, God. This is, isn't that an interesting question, though? We're like, white women fucked it up. Taylor Swift. Like, Taylor Swift posted, um, it wasn't a selfie. It was a photo somebody else took of her uh, to her Instagram on election day. Um, the caption said, get out there and vote. Not for Hillary. Just get out there and vote. And then the picture of her is easily like the darkest Taylor Swift I've ever seen. She looks, it's the first time in any photo I've ever seen of her that you can see like deep under eye circles. I was like, you can see the under eye circles. Like that moment, she does not sleep. Like she sleeps with her eyes open. She just like stares at the sleeve like, ah. that's, that's all she does. But like you could see the under eye circles and like her bangs are heavy over her face or something like very prophetic about her. You think like maybe she's going to like, she's going to be the oracle on the mountains, you know, prophesize. Um, it's, it's terrifying, you know, but um, we see these things everywhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, what are you guys' contingency plans? Uh, 
I don't know. I would um, uh, recently have been discussing uh, the possibility of a gay island, which I'm not against. Um, no straights allowed. Permits only. Um, you can you can have them, but they either have to be support animals or on a leash. I'm not giving in on this. Um, they. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think the other the other great option would be if we just like make Planned Parenthood the headquarters. Like we just like dig a fat ass trench around it. Like I said, like straights by exception only. Um, I'm just gonna extend that. Just like males by exception only. Um, sorry guys, <laughs> there's only so many of you I can, I can trust, and I keep being proven otherwise. Um, I I don't know. I feel like we just dig that dig that trench just. Fill it, fill it with, like, used tampons, and then nobody we don't like will come in. Like, that's it. <laughs> Easy. It's simple. Um, I don't know. This whole... Uh, when, like, okay, the moment, the moment that I knew that, like, this was... I, I, I uh, bravely tweeted the opposite, but I, the moment I knew this year was, like, super fucked was the moment the Cubbies won. <laughs> I was like, which... Okay, let me say, let me say briefly, um, lifelong Cubbies fan... <laughs> lifelong Cubbies fan, which of course means that I'm like hopeless romantic, a desperate lunatic, have not wanted nothing more than not only for myself, but for my mother and my grandmother. It's like the kind of thing, it's, it's, like, it's like psychosis. It, like, it runs in the family. Like You don't just become a Cubs fan someday. Like It has to be passed down. Um, and so, so the moment, though, that I saw them win, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. That doesn't ever actually happen. Like The point is to be the underdog forever. Like Now their identity has changed. It's like the moment, like, like okay, think about this. Like the like, think of somebody you've been in love with for a long, 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 long time, and then think about the moment they're like, "I like you back," and you're like, "Disgusting." <laughs> oh, I changed my mind. <laughs> I was wrong. It's okay. No, don't worry about it. I I take it back. Um, it wasn't really that. Like I didn't like you that way. Um, so yeah, no, that that moment, just seeing after. I like uh, objectively the most insane game. If you don't give a shit about sports, you need to watch this game. Game seven was directed by Steven Spielberg. It was unreal. So anyway, it's uh, just watching that in those final moments. All of a sudden, it clicked, and I'm like, "Well, there it is. We have officially ripped a hole in the space-time continuum. We are now in an alternate dimension. Confirmed. We have been for the entirety of 2016, which, yes, we have used to blame for our problems, possibly, possibly even more than like our own horoscopes at this point. Um, we're just like, yeah, it's the year. It's the year 2016. It's 2016's fault. But then again, I'm like, we lost. But we we lost. Prince, we lost Leonard Cohen. Hopefully, we'll lose Bob Dylan. Please, <laughs> please let it happen. Like of all the people who had to, like, come on, die young. Bob Dylan, die young. Leave us alone. Give someone else a shot. Christ, nobody feels anything except me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah, I feel like we've got we he's he's had his chance. Uh, it's time time to go. But that's how I know. 2016, he's not gonna die. Um, but yeah, we all I think we all gotta we all gotta develop our contingency plans. Um, speaking of one of my contingency plans in this show is the <laughs> is the next storyteller at any given moment. Uh, guys, put your hands together for Glenn Bolton coming to the stage. So, um, you guys ever had a moment in your life where uh, you think to yourself, holy shit, 
were my early 20s really that fucking weird <laughs> happened to anybody in here yeah i was uh i was uh i was at my friend's wedding a few years ago and uh they were like hey you, uh, you talking to microphones, why don't you come make a speech in front of all these people you can't say fuck in front of? It's <laughs> like, alright, well I wish I would have drank more for this, but that could have been a disaster too, who knows. So, uh, I'm making this like really like heartfelt speech, it's very on the spot, it's very impromptu. And uh, right in the middle of it, I'll look over at my friend, uh, who's the bride, and I'm thinking to myself, I remember that time you put cheese in my ass. This is crazy. <laughs> All right, so let's go back in time. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go back to 2009. It's July 4th, and we're in El Paso, Texas. <laughs> Random, right? But yeah, that's where we are. Uh, and we partied a lot. Like, we partied a lot, because El Paso is one of those places where there's always something to do, because there's fucking nothing to do. <laughs> so you just get hammered and experiment with drugs, right? So we go out into the desert. There's like 200 of us, okay? And, uh, yeah, we build this huge bonfire, uh, and we partied hard. Like, really, like, you guys have partied in here, right? You guys have had your party moments, I'm sure. Uh, have you ever, like, I don't know, done hard drugs off the front fender of a dirt bike before your friend does donuts around said 30-foot bonfire party? Because that's what happened. Uh, partied so hard, the Border Patrol showed up. They say, hey, who's the hot dog on the bike? My friend goes, that's me. And I'm like, fuck, we're all going to jail. Some of us deported. We're not that far. This is not good. So, uh, yeah. So I look back, and apparently we partied so hard, even Border Patrol couldn't resist the party. Because I look, <laughs> I look back, and they're letting my friend hold their gun belts. <laughs> like, this is crazy. This is insane. So, uh, yeah, we finished all the alcohols. All of them, uh, except for a bag of Franzia that we found on the ground at 5.30 in the morning. So what do me and my friends do? We're like, fuck it! Let's knock this bitch out. Let's just pass the bag around. You slap the bag, you open up the little faucet thingy, you drink it, you pass it to the next person. And I'm like, okay, right? Uh, so we finish that. A friend comes to get us take us back to our house and uh, my roommates are like hey let's go to the pool I'm like dope let me go put my swim trunks on go into my room and I pull my pants and my boxers down to about here that was the last fucking thing I remembered Now, my roommates and my friends are in the kitchen making sandwiches <laughs> to take to the pool. And they're like, where's Glenn? It's been a while. Let's go check on him. So they find me passed out, face down, bare ass, on my bed. My friend Janet's holding two slices of Kraft Singles. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
So they all look at each other. There's like five of them. They all look at each other. They're like, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, they didn't want to uh, touch my ass. So uh, well, I, I guess there were two people that still have yet to uh, to be named. My friends won't tell me who exactly spread my ass cheeks apart. Uh, <laughs> That'll definitely change the dynamic of our friendship down the line. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't. So they're like, all right, I don't want to put the cheese on my bare hand. So one of them goes and gets a pin. This is real fucking drunken teamwork. <laughs> it's 730 in the morning at this point, I'm sure. Uh, so they have my ass cheeks spread open. They put the cheese slices, they break them up, and they put them not in my ass, but right on the asshole, right? Yeah. Now, they go off to the pool without me. I wasn't going anywhere, come on. They go off to the pool without me, but before they left, they turned off the AC in the house. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the beginning of this part of the story, but I said we were in El Paso, Texas in July. And I finished a bag of Franzia while already drunk. And they turn off the AC. Yeah, worst hangover ever. It was like Mike Tyson walked into my room and was like, yeah, what's up, bitch? Bow! Splashed me. Blasted me in the temple. That's that's how I felt when I woke up. Uh, and uh, so my other roommate, the uh, mature, responsible one, which uh, in hindsight he was only like 29. I'm 29 now. I don't feel that mature and responsible. <laughs> Telling a room full of strangers how I got cheese put in my ass. <laughs> Come on now. So uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, Janet and Hannah and Josh called. Uh, they want they want me to give you a ride to the pool." And I was like, "All right, let me go take a dump first. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point, I'm totally oblivious. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm still in a fog, right? So uh, I show up to the pool, and uh, Josh." Uh, is sitting at the table by the pool and he's got a 40 ounce and he hands it to me he's like here you go this will help you feel better because uh, that's science right Like, <laughs> more alcohol fuck it you're already dehydrated and feeling like shit what's up the ante so he pulls out his phone and he uh, shows me a picture of an ass now <laughs> this is 2009 so it was a flip phone very pixelated uh, and he goes, so uh, what do you think about this ass right here? And I'm like, it's all right. Like, <laughs> it's all right. And uh, he's like, yeah, that, that's your ass, bro. And I'm like, and I see the tie-dye comforter. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's my bed. What's that yellow stuff? <laughs> he goes, he looks over at the pool. He goes, hey, Hannah, Janet, he doesn't know. He doesn't fucking know. And everyone's laughing. And he's like, dude, that's cheese. And I'm like, kind of doing this. I'm like, I don't feel anything. Well, here's what happens. Uh, if you drink a lot uh, and then you go take a dump the next morning, uh, your shit basically can come out like a torpedo. <laughs> 
Now, it basically what it did, it was like it was like a low budget Brazilian butthole wax. What happened? So I'm standing there by the pool in total bewilderment with a smooth asshole. Don't judge me. It felt great actually. Uh, except for when it grew back in. That was that was terrible. A different story. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, the moral the moral of the story, uh, boys and girls, is um, you gotta know when to stop partying, man. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, uh, thank you guys. You guys have been awesome. I'm Glenn Bolton. Take care. Uh, friends, when we left off, I believe that the story that I was very cleverly um, cliff cliffhanging for you all um, had to do with the little tyrant. Um, before I continue with that story, I promise we'll do it in like 10 seconds. I just need to like talk a little bit more. Um, I want to give a little context about it. <coughs> is the only person I have ever seen correct a teacher. <laughs> you don't fuck with my people, babe. Mm-mm. So, um... I don't know. I he corrected a history teacher on dates, which as we all know is the most important takeaway of history class. Um when it, I mean when it comes to World War II, the most important takeaway was on, on what day those things happened. Um which as we all know was November 8th, 2016. Um yeah, no, I just I I was like I couldn't believe it he raised his slender white hand into the air and corrected our history teacher on dates. I was just, I was just kind of like, you, like my brain broke. I was like, you can't. I was like, that's, that's what an enemy looks like. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's, I don't know, the main, the main point about Kevin Key's blog. Um, the second point, which this first, um, first little anecdote should lead you to understand, is that he thought he was infallible. He also believed that he deserved to speak, to have his voice heard. Now, I was about to challenge both of those beliefs. So, um, when, when I, again, when I again presented, uh, presented my speech, um, like a man, decided to wing it, and like America, they ate that shit up. Um, I, I basically just got it, got it into my head. I was like, okay, so people are pretty much just gonna buy it. Um, if you don't, if you don't try too hard, you don't want to try it too hard. You don't want to be like uncool. Uh, so I, I was like, okay, cool. I got this. Uh, they told me that I, that I had, I'd been chosen. Uh, and not only that, but that a couple other people had been chosen, but they were kind of like, but you're like our favorite though. And I was like, tight. Yes. I've won the respect of my teachers. Fuck all of you that I'm about to address. Uh, and so <laughs> that I'm supposed to speak for. And so, uh, the thing was when found out that he had lost, that he had not been chosen, and that several other people that I'm sure he believed were dumber than him had also been chosen, uh, he did, I assume, two things. One, probably screamed into a white tear-stained pillow. And then, two, he immediately petitioned the guidance counselor's office for his God-given right to speak at graduation. Now, he couldn't come out and say, I deserve a speech. It's mine. Everybody has to hear my voice the way that I do. Um, but well, So he decided to cloak it. He decided to disguise it. 
Similar to my first experience with alcohol, which was uh, that uh, pretty much that night, that graduation night, um, I was told to just disguise it. Cloak it in something. It'll taste better. And they were right. And uh, I think it was green apple Smirnoff. Um, so really, it shouldn't have needed disguising. I'm not. Uh, I was a child. I was a child. Forgive me. So... He petitions the guidance counselor's office, insists that it is the right of every valedictorian to speak. Every valedictorian should be able to bless the crowd with their magnificence. Their gargantuan brain should be uh, poised above all for all to see. Uh, gave and was given a 10-minute speech. And the time, in, in the space of those 10 minutes... He chose to talk about the differences between the year 1910 and the year 2010. This speech that he sought, sought, sought so hard, so hard to get, everybody was like, wow, it must be like a really good fucking speech. <laughs> Someone in that audience was old enough to have lived through 1910. She was like, that was the most boring shit I've ever heard. It wasn't that bad. And so, like literally like a, an old ass grandma. Like someone's, it, it was a great grandma. Um, so anyway, it was just kind of, it, we were all just kind of like gobsmacked because we were like expecting like, oh, yeah, he's like, he's an insane person, but he probably worked really hard on the speech. He worked really hard on that speech and that much came through. Um, so like a champ, I carried it off for a crowd of thousands, um, realized what it is I want to do with my life and lorded it over for the rest of our high school tenure, um, which was, of course, one night. The best thing, though, the best thing. So, you guys know how, like, your PE teachers aren't really people. Like, they're, like, <laughs> like sub, like, in some ways they're, like, swampy weirdo creatures because they, they, like, it seems like if you, had, if you had the right circumstances, if the circumstances were right, the lighting was good, like, everyone was a little drunk, all of your PE teachers would have tried to molest you. Every single one of them. If the mood was right. So... Um, uh, our PE teacher, one of them in particular, though, um, who I have never in my life seen so much as crack a smile. Like, this was a dude who had sunglasses on, like his mouth was a flat line for the entirety of the time I had ever known him, my four, four years. Um, at the end of my speech, he was like, they all sucked, but uh, that one was pretty funny. And he smiled. He smiled for the first time in four years. Oh, it was a beautiful, magnificent thing. So uh, I assume went home and cried again. Um, he certainly did not go on to start his own comedy show. Um, thank God. Um, guys, I, I, I just want to tell you that winning the popular vote does matter in the end. <laughs> um, coming up next to the, sp- to the stage and going to, who's going to close out the show for us, He's a delight. He runs Angry Goats podcast. You've seen him on Put Your Hands Together, so do exactly that for Will Weldon. Hello. Thank you. Just going to move this because that is my natural order of doing things when I take the stage, so I have to, even if the mic was not in the stand. Still got to move it. I like habit. I'm sorry I'm wearing a hat on stage. I woke up about five minutes before the show started tonight. And uh, I am so impossibly vain. I was like, I can't go on stage with my hair all mussed up. So instead, I would rather look like a shitbag. <laughs> a real son of a bitch, you know? Big, dirty sideburns. Uh, also, I don't do a ton of, uh, I don't do a ton of, 
storytelling shows, so there was kind of the theme for the show, and I was like, when have I ever in any capacity even attempted to work as a team (laughs) on anything? And my answer was never. Not once. I have actively sabotaged teamwork, but not in a fun way. Like, I can't come up here and do a story and be like, well, I was a sniveling asshole for uh, 15 minutes one time. End of story. There you go. I uh, I I did. Um, I've like uh, so. I'm just going to tell a story. I I like to tell where I um, I w- w- went out on a lot of dates for a while because I had no self respect. <laughs> so I'd literally go out on a date with anyone, uh, and like I was like, oh yeah, no, it's good because like other people who want to spend time with me mean that my time is valuable. And then I'd be like, it's weird how this method has not convinced me that my time is valuable yet. <laughs> it's weird how I keep doing this thing that I think means a thing, but it hasn't meant a thing. I should keep doing that thing. And uh, it, like, I, uh, I went out on a, a second date with this lady. It's like, you know the second date where you're like, this is, this is the choosing time. The first date... I, the day that you're, you have a nice time, uh, you know, you go to Halloween horror nights together. Big risk for a first date, by the way, being trapped at a Halloween amusement park where, like, maybe it'll get to a point where, like, a zombie jumps out at you and you're like, take me with you. But so we go out on the second date and it's fine again. And we're, like, having a nice time. I still don't know. I'm like, I still don't know if I like this person so much, but I still don't know if I dislike this person. And then we're like, but we're having a nice time and and then it just sort of, there's like this weird moment. Also, I'm divorced. I got married really young. Uh, I got divorced because those two things tend to go together. Uh, (laughs) When people are like, I can't believe you're so young and you're divorced. I'm always like, really? I think those two things might have something to do with each other. You know? (laughs) It's like being like, what? You got into a car accident, but you've always driven so recklessly. What are the odds you would suffer the most likely consequences of your actions? And there's, we're sitting there and we're having a nice time. We're at Mohawk Bend. And I told her I was divorced because I like to get that out of the way. She's like laughing. And then she just suddenly gets very serious. She goes, you know, I think it's really sad, Will. I think it's really sad that you don't want to get married again. Because I don't. It wasn't. I'm like, not again. I did once. It's fine. She's like, I think it's really sad. You know? Because you're basing that decision not off of marriage, but off of divorce. Because you're divorced, Will. You are divorced. (laughs) And in my head, I was like, I know that. I was there, not you. You know that from me. This is not... You know, you're divorced. Oh, it makes so much sense now. All the paperwork. Oh, my God. Why didn't anyone tell me sooner? And so I just try... I start to tell... I'm like, no, it's not... I'm not like... I don't have a problem with marriage. I just did it, and it wasn't for me, and I I, I don't think I want to do it again, and... As I start to explain that, she goes, no, 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 don't interrupt me. Do not interrupt me or I will walk out of here. And in my head, I was like, should I interrupt her? 
so that she walks out of here and this is the end. Because I'm like, this seems like the f- a good final interaction for me to make up my mind. But then she's getting really mad and she starts being like, it's sad. It's sad. You're not sad. It's pathetic. It's pathetic you won't get married again. It's pathetic. Then she starts telling me, she's like, you know, it's, it's pathetic you won't get married again because of a divorce. I would get married. I would get married and I have been through so much. I have been through so much in my life. I had a fiance and he abused me physically, emotionally, and sexually. He had me do things that, yeah, I'm okay with now, but I was not okay with at the time. I was like, that is the strangest qualifier I have ever heard in my entire life. Where she's like, hey, just in case you turn this thing around, I'm cool, dude. But like, and that probably seems like a lot of information for like, you know, just a second date to start throwing at somebody. But there also was a moment earlier where she was telling me about how she hates her mom and they don't get along. And she was like, you know, my mom doesn't like me because uh, when I got pregnant at 18, I had the courage to make the decision she didn't and get an abortion. But I knew she was an only child. So I was like, are you ragging on your mom for not aborting you right now? <laughs> like, I'm... I'm very pro-choice. I'm one of those people when people are like, well, I'm pro-choice. No one's pro-abortion. I'm like, I am pro-abortion. Great procedure. Go go nuts with it. But even then, I was like, this seems like a lot. And she's like yelling at me. And she's like, we're just in the corner booth at Mohawk Bend, the world's least confrontational bar and grill. Eh, grill, whatever the fuck. Grill. It's a little tough for Mohawk Bend. Grilling, no. Wood fired. Uh, so she's like yelling and, and she's getting mad. And finally she's like, I am going to call an Uber and we are going to go back to your apartment and you are going to drive me home. Okay? You are going to drive me home. Yeah. And I was like, crazy idea. Why don't you call an Uber? Go home. You cut out the middleman being me. Because I don't want to drive you home. You've been very rude to me tonight. And she goes, How dare you? How dare you speak to me that way? How dare you speak to me that way? No one has ever spoken to me that way before. How dare you? And in my head, I was like, That means she had the world's most polite, abusive fiance. Where he would come home and be like, time for a walloping, madam. Like, why? How is that possible? But her stuff was at my apartment, I remembered. She left her purse there, so I was like, okay. So we go back, and I go into the bathroom, and I kind of like splash cold water on my face, because that's what people in movies do when they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) I go into my bedroom, and she's staying there, and she goes, a cab ride home is $30. You owe me $30. I'm like, no, no, I'll drive you home. It's okay. I'll just make sure you get home. All right. She goes, I'm not getting in a car with you. After you have spoken to me this way, you have called me rude and a bitch. I was like, I did not call you a bitch. I don't call women that. I don't like it. I just don't do it. I did not say that to you. And she goes, well, calling me rude is the same thing. (laughs) It's really not at all. Like, if you go and look up rude in the dictionary, it's not going to say, see also, bitch. (laughs) So I'm like, I I wouldn't. She's like, okay, give me $20 then. I'm like, no. She goes, 15 no. She goes, well, give me 10. I'm like, this is not a bazaar in Calcutta. We're not negotiating. 
I will drive you home or you can pay for your own ride home. She starts crying and she's like, well, then apologize. Apologize to me because you owe me a major apology. You owe me a major apology. So you apologize to me first. And I go, you know what I should do right now? I should take the world's most pointless stand. And I go, no, I will not apologize to you. I will not apologize to you for no reason. Uh... And so she storms out, slams the door. My roommate comes out. He's like, what was that? I'm like, I have a yarn for you, my friend. As soon as I'm done, there's a hammering on the front door. I'm like, for sure that's her. Go downstairs, open the door. She's crying. She's upset. She's like, I was calling you. Why won't you take me home? Just take me home. I was like, I will take you home. Let's go. Like, I'll take you right now. She goes, no, no. You owe me a major apology. You owe me a major apology. And then she starts pounding on the side of my apartment building going, you owe me a major apology. You owe me a major apology. And I'm like, who is your vocal coach? This is incredible. You're getting out so much in one breath. And finally, she like sort of storms off. She's sitting in my front yard. She's calling me and then hanging up. And I'm like three feet away from her. (laughs) Finally, I go, listen, I will take you home or I'll go inside. Because I'm not standing out here and doing this all night. I'm too old to do this all night. So like you got to decide. We can go home. Or I'm going to go back inside. She goes, if you go back inside, I will pound on your door all night. And I go, if you do that, I'm going to have to call the police. And she goes, what are you, a fucking psycho? You're going to call the police? And then she flips and she's like, fuck you. I'm fucking glad you're divorced. You deserve to be divorced. You don't deserve anything in life. I was like, all right. I don't think she wants to ride home then. So I'm walking back to the apartment. She's following me, like cursing me out like a reverse rap hype man where she's like, this guy's a piece of shit and he fucking sucks and he doesn't deserve anything. So I go inside and I close the door and I look up the stairs and my roommate is standing there and he goes, I thought you were exaggerating. So she's calling me. She's hanging up. She's calling me a piece of shit. She's like, fuck you, you fucking coward. Get down here, you coward. Get down here and face me, you coward. And then she's like, be a man. Be a man. Why don't you be a man and grow a cunt? Which is the greatest insult of all time. Because it's as if she was like, yeah, I'm mad, but not so mad I can't strike a blow against society's binary notions of gender, okay? So she's... So, man, finally she threatens to destroy my car, and I, so I go downstairs, and I show her I have dialed 911 on my phone. I've called them. She flips it. She's like, you called the police? Why would you do that? I just want to ride home. Take me home. So I hang up, because why wouldn't I believe her? And I'm like, all right. I put my hand on her back. I'm like, okay, let's go. She slaps my hand away. She goes, you piece of shit. You don't fucking touch me. She hits me in the face, and then she goes to kick me, and I throw up like an MMA-style shin block, because I'm like, as long as I'm uh, doing things for the first time tonight, why don't I give this one a whirl? And then I redial 911, and uh, <laughs> it's like, hello, 911 emergency. And I'm like, hey, hi. Uh, I, so I feel very ridiculous. Like, I, I'm here, and I'm in my front yard, and I, there's a lady here, and she just attacked me, and she's upset. We were on a, we were on a date, and she, she won't leave, and she attacked me, and she's upset because I, 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 I don't want to get married again, and it's a thing. It's just not for me. <laughs> I don't, it's just not, it's not a problem with the institution. It's just not an institution for me. Like, I don't want to do it again. And then as I'm saying this, she runs away. 
she takes off. She just runs off into the night like the world's shittiest mystical creature. Like just where she's like, my terrible work here is done. And then the, the cops show up and uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm really sorry. This feels so stupid. Such a dumb phone call. And they're like, no, it's okay. We like the easy calls. I'm like, that's good. I like to hear that, that the cops don't like doing their job. That's always... <laughs> eh, please only call 911 with non-emergencies in the future. Uh, and then she called me a couple times, and I didn't pick up. Uh, I never heard from her again. She did leave me a voicemail that told... Uh, or she texted me. She didn't leave me a voicemail. If she had, I'd be playing it right now. But she did text me after I didn't pick up her phone, uh, after I didn't pick up her calls. She texted me, um, you know, not picking up my phone calls is very rude. And in hindsight, I should have texted her back, how dare you call me a bitch? <laughs> but the best, maybe I should have ended there because I got applause and <laughs> I but I did, the best part was talking to the 911 dispatcher. She, while I was telling her what was happening, and her, I'm like, well, she's running away right now. She's just taking off, and I don't know how she's going to get home, because I, I picked her up. It's not like I wanted to fucking press charges. I just I was like, I don't know what sh- how she's going to get home. And the dispatcher goes, well, are you still seeing her, sir? And I go, no, I'm not going to keep seeing her. And then the dispatcher goes, no, sir, I'm asking if she's still visible to you. <laughs> I thought she was so bad at her job that she was like, sidebar, are you going to keep dating this bitch? Because she sounds crazy. That's the end of the story. Thanks, Um, I am going to be a great divorcee. I cannot wait. Oh, my God. Like, if ever I've had a calling in life, I'm going to go, like, quadruple, triple, platinum with divorce. I'm going to be like the Taylor Swift of divorce. Um, specifically Taylor Swift in like the Blank Space video where she's got like, the mascara running down her face and she's like, ah, like that. I want to be that. Um, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be so good at divorce. I'm going to be like, practice. You have, to, you have to practice to get good at things. Uh, I'm going to be so good at divorce that when the cops show up, and knock on my door to ask me some questions about my dead husband. I'm just going to open the door. There's going to be a golden cigarette holder hanging from my lips, and I'm just going to say, I've never heard that name in my life. (laughs) Rico, have you ever heard that name in my life? (laughs) And then my house pet will come answer the door behind me. He'll, like, come up and, you know, give me one of those cute little behind hugs. It'll be great. Uh, There are a few important takeaways from this show, folks. Number one, is a tiny, whiny baby. Don't be a wowzers. Oh, wowzers. Two, blondes do have more fun. And three, ambitious women can win. We're already here. Get thee behind me. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great night. You made it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in person on December 7th or uh, in your home, uh, in your car, in your Trader Joe's on Monday, December 21st. We're going to try to get this thing out on Monday mornings from now on. So, yeah. See you then. Bye.